Hello, and welcome to Not That Anybody Asked. I have some very exciting milestones that I've hit for this podcast literally just now because I just checked the Instagram for the podcast and there's 200 followers there. I'm also over a thousand listens on all platforms and that's just crazy that my voice has been through a thousand speakers. So if I haven't said it enough, I appreciate you so much for being here and listening to me ramble every week. It means more than the world to me and I just love this, love you so much. First things first for this week, I started watching Queen Charlotte on Netflix and I am legitimately obsessed with it. I'm thinking in my head in a British accent. That's how invested I am right now. I'm in the middle of episode four right now, so I still have like an episode and a half to go and I want to just fly through it so quickly, but I'm kind of sad for it to end. I'm not sure if anyone else feels like that with TV shows, but I get really sad when they're about to end because I know a resolution is coming and I just, I get sad that it's over, especially if I really love it. If it's something I don't really care about, then it's not a big deal, obviously. But if it's a show I'm really invested in and like a lot the very first time I'm watching it, I get real sad. Whenever Wednesday came out in like December, I felt that way with that show too. I could tell the ending was coming, not just because like the episodes were ending, but the plot line, you could feel it move, like moving towards resolution. And I was very, very sad by it. I've actually never watched any of the Bridgerton series, but I've seen a lot of stuff about Queen Charlotte, and so I actually googled if you need to watch Bridgerton prior to Queen Charlotte to understand, and luckily you don't, because Queen Charlotte is a prequel to everything that happens in Bridgerton. So I am planning on watching Bridgerton after I finish Queen Charlotte, but also I did see that the third season is coming out soon, so I feel like I should maybe wait until the third season is out so I can watch all three and get caught up to real time, or I could just watch the first and the second now and then be ready for the third when it comes out. Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Might mess around and just watch Queen Charlotte over again because I also tend to do that. As soon as I finish a new series, I'll rewatch the entire thing. I am really grateful. Sorry, I'm going on a Queen Charlotte like tangent now, but I did see that they're not doing a second season of it. And I really appreciate when producers can appreciate a limited series, like a one season series. Because I feel like so often now we get so many seasons and it's just, it ruins a good thing. It's almost like when you make a second movie of something that you shouldn't have made a second movie for. I feel like it's very rare that the second one is as good as the first one. Princess Diaries, for example, is one that the second one is arguably just as good, if not better than the first. And I will die on that hill. Same with Shrek 2. Shrek 2 is just as good, if not better, than Shrek 1. However, I do feel like that is a rare occurrence, and I feel like a lot of shows could have just been great one-season wonders, but they push it out and kept going because money. Either way, I am kind of glad that there's only one season. Even though I do love it so much, it's just, like, great in itself. It doesn't need more. Plus, you already have Bridgerton, so, I mean, it's already a spinoff of something else, so more seasons of a spinoff is just kind of weird to me. I've also been trying to read another book because I think I'm three books into the year already, but my goal was three and I like to overachieve. So this is my fourth one. It is Brood by Chase Novak. I did not ever see any reviews for this and I actually have no idea where I got this book from, but I've had it in my house for so long and I've never read it. So I cracked that baby open. I didn't read any reviews. I have no clue what it's about, but I'm like 50 or 60 pages in and it's pretty good. I can tell it's probably going to be like a thriller mystery situation, so I guess we'll see with that one. 
it has gotten so hot here so fast. My friend and I were at the park literally this morning and it's only like probably 75, maybe 80 degrees and we were both sweating and I was like, how in the heck are we going to survive this summer when it's going to be like a hundred something degrees? And she was like, I have no idea, but it is not going to be a good time. So I guess stay tuned to see if I survive my first summer here because I'm not sure I will. We moved here in August last year, so we caught the very tail end of summer and it was atrocious. So I'm not sure I'll make it through a whole three, but I guess we'll see. Our little Instagram quote of the day is make room for all of the good things that you deserve in your life rather than allowing all of the negativity to take over you. And that is by Self Care Express. And that kind of goes a little bit, <laughs> it's kind of a stretch of a segue into the topic for the week, which is how to be alone or just being alone. I'm going to start all of this off with a gigantic disclaimer that I understand my situation is very, very unique to me. I have been married for six and a half years, but my husband has been active duty in the infantry in the Marine Corps the entire time. So I have been alone a lot, even though I've been married. But physically, I've been alone probably half of our marriage, honestly. So while emotionally, no, I was not alone. I was married, but physically alone. And I was really bad at it at first. I always was trying to fill my time as much as I possibly could because I couldn't stand the thought of just being alone with myself. I actually talked to my friend this morning about the theme of this episode and how it's about learning to be alone, my thoughts on being alone, all that. And she literally said, you're really good at it. So it's probably good you talk about it. So I've gotten very good at being alone and I just want to talk about it. I think initially I didn't understand the importance of being comfortable being alone because it can be really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to be alone with your thoughts in silence if you let yourself be. And typically we don't like to do stuff we're uncomfortable doing. So we just avoid it, fill our time and hope for the best. So I'm going to flash back to this is December of 2017 and my husband is about to leave for his very first deployment. I was a ripe 19. We had been married for a year. We were living in Hawaii and I had, I don't know, maybe like three friends. I had a job at a yogurt shop and that was pretty much all I had going on. He had been gone on other training things, so I had been alone for short periods of time, but I just did my best to fill it and avoid it. But then he left for, you know, longer than a couple weeks and I had to really deal with it. I tried to stay so busy and just so overwhelmed all of the time and that's the advice a lot of people give you i'm not again this is mostly for military spouses is that when they're gone fill your time stay busy time will pass and while that is true to an extent at the end of the day you're still by yourself in your house and if that is not okay with you or a place that you're comfortable with it's not going to be good for you i can remember this conversation so clearly clear as the day is long And it was with one of my friends. We were both 19 at the time and just recently married. And she was so good at being by herself. And I remember asking her, how? Why was she so cool with just being by herself? And what she told me, I think about often. And it's been six entire years since this happened. But she said, I like to look at it as an opportunity that I am given. Because how often do people get to be alone while not worrying about finding a partner? You get the chance to just focus on yourself and not worry about looking for someone because you've already found it. And my little 19-year-old brain was just blown. 
because I had absolutely never thought of it that way. I always thought of it as just a sad thing. He was getting taken away from me. I was losing out on time with him. And while all of those things are true, it can also be true that I was given the chance to really learn about myself while still holding space for that relationship and the love I felt for him. And while I would love to say that that changed my entire outlook and I just changed overnight into a person who was great at being alone, that was not the case. We'll flash forward about a year after he came home and he was leaving for his second deployment. I was 21 and I had a four-month-old daughter. He left and I pretty much immediately isolated. And not in a healthy way, it was in a way that I just didn't want to leave my house. But I forced myself. I made myself go to a breastfeeding support group on base. And I can honestly say I made several lifelong friends there. And I'm so, so thankful for it. But for that entire deployment, I just kind of put my head down and raised my daughter by myself and carried on. Still not super great at being alone. I didn't like it, but I just kind of dealt with it because I had a baby. Not to mention I was no longer physically alone, but I was then mentally alone. You know what I'm saying. We're going to jump forward again a little bit to after my son was born in the fall of 2020. We all know how isolating 2020 was, literally. But for me, I was mentally isolated. We had moved to South Carolina and I knew legitimately nobody. And my husband worked really long hours. We lived kind of far from his work. I had a new baby. I had an 18-month-old with a speech delay. And I was so very depressed postpartum depression postpartum anxiety postpartum rage I've talked about this all before talked about how bad of a time that was for me and I realized after I came out of the fog of postpartum depression that my life was not going to change unless I changed something and I became okay with being alone because my husband has to work I cannot just run from my problems anymore and I have to look at myself and I don't feel like I looked at myself probably for like nine to 10 months prior to this realization moment. I didn't just sit with myself. I was constantly attending to others and making other people my priority over myself, even whenever I was alone. So, you know, kids go to bed. If I'm by myself because he's working late, I still would just fill my time with stuffing diapers, with doing things for everyone else besides just trying to figure out what's going on in my own head. And that is when I feel like I really started becoming good at it because I genuinely would just sit in silence. And I know that kind of sounds like psychotic behavior, but I promise sitting just with your thoughts or with a notebook to just write down the thoughts, the feelings that you're having is so liberating. Getting things out of your head, off of your chest, onto a piece of paper, or you can even record a voice memo for yourself and just spill, spill your guts. I journaled a lot. I read some self-help books. I listened to podcasts about how to be happy again. I do have a degree in psychology, so I have some like insight, I guess, on the brain, how the brain responds to things. And so I started almost like psychoanalyzing myself, my childhood. How could I be so uncomfortable just like talking to myself and hearing my own thoughts in my head? I started unpacking a lot of stuff with my mom, with my sister, and trying to figure out what was going on in my mind. Again, I wish I could tell you that this shift just became, I was great at being alone overnight. But it takes time. It takes time to drudge things up and it's emotional and it brings things up that you don't want to talk about. You don't even want to hear yourself talk about it. So why would you want to put it out into the world? 
but I'm not kidding when I tell you it made me so much more self-aware of my feelings, of my reactions to things that I'm so thankful for now and my friends and my family will tell you the exact same thing. One last jump in time to the present. My husband has been gone. He's no longer gone, but he was gone for pretty much the entire first part of this year. Literally from the beginning of December of last year until literally recently, he was gone all but a few weeks split up. And if you have been following me or you know me, this year has not been great for me and that is not even the main reason why. There have been about 4 million other things that have made this year just insane, but I can say honestly that this is the most mentally healthy I think I've ever been. And I can almost fully attribute and appreciate that my past self did a lot of work for me to make this season of my life that could have so easily drug me down so much easier. Because almost every night after my kids go to bed, I sit with a notebook or with my phone in my notes app and I just reflect on what I'm feeling. I obviously have my days because staying at home and having a monotonous time in your life where you feel like you're doing the same thing every single day is going to drive anyone insane or you know a little bit insane at least but if I'm feeling extra just overwhelmed strung out I can usually figure out why I feel like so much of our life is run by relationships specifically romantic relationships it is basically ingrained in us from so early on in life that your quote-unquote end goal is to find a partner do I think that that's right? No, but also that's just how most of us were raised. But even after finding mine, I can still say that I think finding yourself is way more important. It has been a combination of insane luck that we found each other at the age that we did and work to grow together because both of us have changed so much over the last nearly 10 years we've been together and I'm truly very very thankful that even though at the time I felt like I was missing out on so much of my relationship that I got to be alone. I'm not at all saying I prefer to be alone because I'm not trying to be sappy here because as our queen Miss Taylor Swift says, in Paris, romance is not dead if you keep it just yours. So I really don't talk about stuff with Jake too terribly much on social media. But I genuinely love that man so much. It's kind of insane, honestly. He's an incredible person. He's an incredible partner. He's an incredible father. He's an incredible friend. But like I said, I'm just so lucky and fortunate that he was willing and patient to help us grow together. I had approximately no time to get to know myself before we got married, and truthfully, neither did he. I promise I'm not just trying to defend my credentials on being alone, but I did disclaimer in the beginning that I have not been emotionally alone. I've been married this whole time, but I'm talking physical. We're talking physical aloneness here. So the real question here is, what can you do while you're alone? These are things that I kind of wish I could tell my 19-year-old self that had no responsibilities besides just this yogurt shop job. Just romanticize the absolute crap out of your life. Everything is an adventure. Everything is fun. You want to go sit on the beach? Okay, great. Grab your journal. Let's write some stuff out. You can pick up a hobby. I like crocheting. If you have kids and you can't go anywhere after bedtime, because I know that all too well, you can put those little kids to bed and then door dash yourself some food, watch some good TV, have a little date with yourself. There are a lot of really good prompting journals for either creative writing or for 
diving deep into your noggin. You can also get a passion job, something that you think is just fun or cool, or go volunteer somewhere at a place that's special to you. I feel like this whole episode, I've made it sound like you have to just sit in your room with your freaking notebook and just dissect yourself. And while that is very beneficial, I do also think there is benefits to going out in public alone just to get comfortable with yourself. Don't jam-pack your schedule with other people to avoid being by yourself. You can, in fact, go in a restaurant and sit down alone. I remember the very first time I did that so vividly because I refused to do that. And honestly, it was a lot of fun. I got to talk to the waitress. Her name was Kenna, and I will remember her forever. She probably has no idea I even exist, but I will remember. I feel like this kind of bounced a lot, and maybe there was no real point to all of this, but I'm going to leave the topic with a quote by Mandy Hale, and that is, learn to be alone and like it. There's nothing more empowering than learning to like your own company. I really hope that this all made sense, and it's not as actually jumbled talking through it as it is in my head right now, because suddenly I feel like I have said way too much in way too many different avenues of this, but I guess um, if you liked it, let me know. One thing I really, really do want to do a full, like, deep dive on is how I don't think I would recommend getting married young. I think that I can be grateful and be very happy for my own and very thankful that it worked out while still acknowledging that I got very lucky with the person that I ended up with. So if you're interested in that, let me know. That would be mostly just my opinion. I hope that you guys have a good day, a good weekend, and I will talk to you later.